Welcome back, my fabulous friends. Or, if this is your first visit, hello. I'm your host, Stabby, and this is The Gremlin Fabulist, Season 2, Episode 2, Blood in the Water. Y'all, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am right now. Suzanne Madrun was pleased enough with my rendition of For Sale or Rent in the last episode that they sent me several more of their stories, and as soon as I read today's tale, I knew it had to be next. Featuring some of my favorite figures from <clears throat> history, it has a creepy factor of 11. Content note for Thalassophobia, The Fear of Large Bodies of Water, Mild Sexual Situations, Blood and Violence, and Creepy Tentacular Shit in Tunnels. Also, be warned that while this is a complete story in its own right, it is also part of a larger arc and will leave you wanting more. I am thrilled to present Suzanne Madrun's Blood in the Water. Now, listen. The roar of the boat engine cut out, leaving in its wake the slapping of waves against the sides of the craft. Lilith closed her eyes with relief and embraced the brief silence, clutching the leather-bound book closer to her. She could feel the eyes of the crew crawling over the back of her wetsuit, and a cold smile lit her features for the briefest moment until she remembered why she was on a boat a few miles off the coast of Rhode Island. She had business to attend to, and possibly miles to go before she could enjoy any pleasure. She would wait. Ma'am? She acknowledged the ship's captain without taking her gaze off the surface of the water, and mentally checked their position. If the notes had been correct, they were close to their target. We've reached the coordinates you gave us. She tapped her long, red-lacquered nails against the boat's railing as she contemplated the ocean. It occurred to her that time had the uncanny ability to slip away unnoticed in a way that was akin to a one-night stand sneaking out of bed in the wee hours of the morning. Lilith contemplated her own lost time and sighed. Millennia had crept by unnoticed since she had last considered ruling mankind and since she had tried to reunite her brethren. She had lost track of them, assumed they had all been killed in the flood, and she believed it, until a writer in the 20th century gave her reason to believe they might be very much alive somewhere, deep beneath the waves. Her sisters pointed out that the writings seemed to be those of a madman, but in her gut Lilith felt the writer had known more than anyone suspected. She had visited the man, and he had been willing to share information with her after some persuasion. What he had revealed told her that her reaction to his works had been correct, and after many years, and while on his deathbed, he had finally told her of the location of what he had seen, and had at last surrendered his journal. That had been in 1937, and wars had broken out in the meantime, distracting her from her plan. So many wars since that time. With the blink of an eye, she was back in the present moment and staring out at the sea, closing in on her goal. She made a show of sniffing the breeze, but in reality she was opening herself in a way that she had reserved for only one man over the years. Her eyes snapped open and she sucked in air. It was faint, but it was there, beneath the waves. The stories had all been true, and the writer she had tortured for the information all those years ago had not been lying. 
She glanced again at the marked page in the long-dead writer's journal and gave a slow nod. Turning back to the captain, she said, We need to go one more mile in that direction. She pointed further out, and the captain's expression shifted. Why over there, if you don't mind my asking, ma'am? Lilith closed the distance between them and leaned in close. The tension she felt coming off the man was like an electric storm and it excited her. There was a pale mark shining on his left ring finger where he had pried off his wedding band as she had stepped onto the deck of his boat and she knew she could have him if she wanted him. She drank in the energy that emanated from the entire crew like breathing steam off of a hot cup of coffee and relaxed just a little. She always was a bitchy flirt when she was hungry. With effort, she forced her fangs to stay put so her smile would not appear odd to the already skittish sailors. I do mind your asking, Captain. I charted this boat for a reason and it wasn't to get questioned. It's just, well, he glanced around them and lowered his voice. There've been stories about that particular spot on the ocean you're pointing at and we steer clear of it, always. She angled her body so that it would block the curious glances of the crew and reached down, stroking him through his pants. His eyes grew wide as he stared into the ice of her gaze, captive and helpless. She held him there, her voice low and soothing until he was hers. Do this for me, with no further questions, and I promise you won't regret it, she told him, releasing him so abruptly he almost cried out. The man nodded, dazed. It was clear he knew there was something about Lilith that he should be afraid of, but it was equally clear at that moment that he was in no shape to think logically, or at all. It was imperative that he bring her to the place she had pointed out, and he had no idea why. He started the boat's engine and steered them toward the spot Lilith had indicated, his eyes never straying from hers for too long as she watched him. The crew shifted uneasily as once more the engines fell silent, and the boat rocked with the waves as they dropped anchor. When she looked over the rail again, Lilith could feel the presence below the boat this time. She glanced to the gathered men and smiled. We're right over the spot indicated in my grandfather's journal, she said, holding the book aloft. So let's get down there. The captain approached her again, pulling her aside. His men looked nervous and his gaze was no longer clouded with her will. Ma'am. If you go down there, you'll go alone. She blinked at him in surprise. What did you say? The captain looked uneasy as he scanned the faces of his crew. Each and every one of them was terrified now, and Lilith growled. What's the problem? she asked, the anger seeping like venom into her words. Is this a joke? Some way you make a little extra cash on the side by taking your clients out and charging more when there's no choice but to pay? No, he exclaimed. I, no, we're not looking for more money. It's just, this is a bad spot. I tried to tell you before, we don't go here. No one does. Why the hell not? Lilith asked him, annoyed. The captain's tanned and wind-burned cheeks flushed with embarrassment. He ran a hand through his gray-flecked, tousled hair and grimaced. Well? Lilith asked. It's because of... 
the Kraken, he mumbled without looking up at her. She laughed and asked, The what? Kraken, ma'am. It's a, I know what it is. I just can't believe in this day and age that there's a boat of chicken shits who still believes in mythological sea beasts, she said, her voice growing louder so that the entire crew could hear. The flush that had started on the captain's cheeks spread to his entire crew's faces at her words. It was partly the red of embarrassment and partly the blotchy purple of pure rage. Lilith's smile was cruel as she looked at each of the men, absorbing their anger, their shame, and their lust. Her gaze dared them to do something about their emotions as she pulled her long, pale blonde hair back into a tight bun. I'm heading down there, boys. I'll see you in a few, she told them as the captain helped her fasten the oxygen tanks onto her back. She looked around at the gathered faces and paused for effect. Not one member of the crew stepped up to her silent challenge. She gave an irritated wave as she dropped off the deck of the boat and into the chilly Atlantic Ocean. When the bubbles cleared, she made her way deeper into the murky water. The oxygen tanks had been a mere formality. She didn't need them and had to remind herself to blow bubbles every few seconds so the crew in the ship above wouldn't panic. The crew. Lilith blew out bubbles of aggravation as she kicked her way through the water. She had hoped to have a human shield ready if things did not go according to plan. She had not anticipated that rumors of a kraken would spook the entire crew into staying on the ship and force her to explore alone. The deeper she went, the darker her surroundings became until at last she closed her eyes and went on sense alone. The hint of a beacon was stronger in the depths of the ocean much stronger than it had been when she stood on the deck of the ship. She followed it blindly, her sense of her own surroundings telling her when to change direction and when to stop and open her eyes. When at last she felt a pulse of recognition emanating from the deep, she opened her eyes and switched on the light she had brought with her. She paddled backward almost instantly, unprepared for the sight before her. It appeared to be a large, underwater pyramid at first glance, but she knew its true nature and that this was merely one corner of a much, much larger structure. Relia, she thought to herself with a grim smile, at long last. There was a shift in the sand of the ocean floor beneath her as a doorway opened. She stared into the gaping darkness and descended into the opening, praying her long overdue visit would be a happy occasion. Once inside the space beneath the sand, the doorway above her closed, sealing off the ocean. She dropped without grace as the water ebbed from what seemed to be a hallway of sorts. It was built high and wide, with enough room for a horde of things to pass through with no effort on their part. She kicked off her fins and dropped the tanks and scuba mask to the floor. The resounding clang of metal on stone was loud in the silence. With a wince, she waited to see if anyone was around to greet her. When she heard no noises other than the groaning of metal under strain far in the distance, she walked barefoot along the damp and chilly hallway. The hollow stillness of the place made her uneasy and she was glad her footfalls were silent as she moved through the dark, making her way toward the presence she felt deep within the structure. When she reached a large room that seemed to be some type of receiving area, she stopped to get her bearings. 
Hallways stretched off of the large expanse in all different directions, and Lilith was distinctly reminded of what a chaos symbol would look like if she was viewing the layout from above with no obstructions. An odd, slithering noise emanated from one of the hallways to her right, followed by more noises from the other hallways. Lilith held her breath and waited, praying that she had made the right decision. What appeared to be albino snakes slithered into view from every hallway. They moved faceless into the great room. They lifted what might have been their heads in unison and seemed to sniff the air with absent noses before converging into a mass in the middle of the room. Without realizing she had been doing it, Lilith had backed toward the hallway from which she had entered. As she watched the snake-like creatures moving orgiastically over one another, she prepared to run. The creatures converged as they intertwined, building first one column of a leg, and then the second. Next came the torso, followed by arms, and finally a head from which long tentacles squirmed blindly into the air. The tentacles paused suddenly, and the head of the creature turned to face Lilith. It let out a low, wet growl, its face a mass of squirming flesh with holes where eyes might have been. Hi, Cthulhu. Lilith's voice came out in a squeaky whisper, and she cleared her throat. <clears throat> been a while. The creature made a noise that resembled laughter, if dead things in sewer grates could laugh. The stench surrounding the squirming flesh also suggested the presence of dead things in subterranean waterways, and Lilith wrinkled her nose. Lilith, the creature said in way of greeting. Its voice was garbled, and her name bubbled at what were its lips where the tentacles parted to smile. After a moment, large liquid eyes filled the holes in its face and blinked at Lilith as its flesh stopped moving. Muscle rippled beneath the slimy white skin as it took a step toward her. Why have you come here? Cthulhu asked, the words more intelligible this time, though still wet sounding. I have news, Lilith told him with a sly grin. How long have I waited? She shifted uncomfortably and looked away. It's been some time, she said. And to be honest, you weren't exactly easy to find again after the flood. Cthulhu took a second step toward her and said, Did you search? A little. Look, that's not the point here. What is your reason for searching me out, then? The distance between them closed rapidly with slow, wet steps, and Lilith forced herself to remain calm. She put on a good show until Cthulhu was within arm's reach of her, towering over her tall frame by over a foot or two. It was at that moment she realized the hallway through which she had entered the room had sealed itself behind her. Enoch! She had rehearsed the speech she wanted to say so many times, only to freeze in panic and blurt the one name she knew would bring Cthulhu out of retirement. What she had originally planned was to outline an attack on the world to take it over, not automatically resort to dangling a man she knew to be completely innocent of any wrongdoing as bait. Well, it was out there now, so she had to follow through. What of Enoch? 
Up close, Cthulhu was even more terrifying, with skin colored the white of fish bellies and a voice that would drive most humans mad just from hearing it in nightmares. As they faced each other, she could see things slithering beneath the surface of his skin. Lilith took a deep, steadying breath and regretted it as the stench of rotting fish overtook her nostrils. She decided she could work world domination into the equation later. She would start out with Enoch to draw Cthulhu back to the surface. Baby steps. Let's talk about it on the way back, she tried, but Cthulhu grabbed her by the arm. She stared down at the tentacles encircling her entire arm and again fought the urge to run. The tentacles crawled over the fabric of the wetsuit as if searching for an entry point. When they found none, they retracted back to finger-length protrusions from Cthulhu's hand. We shall speak of it now, he said. I have not lived as long as I have by exposing myself to the attention of the being who tried to kill me. What passed for Cthulhu's eyes narrowed and he continued. How did you escape the flood? The tentacles tightened around Lilith's arm, once more stretching and expanding over the wetsuit. Lilith watched the tentacles with a sense of unease. She had seen them crush a man's skull with no effort at all. While she knew Cthulhu would not kill her, she was sure his sadistic tendencies were as great as her own, and that he could make her suffer for a very, very long time. I know where Enoch is, she said at last, but we'll need to leave here to get him. Cthulhu considered her words, then nodded. The wall behind her opened and the hallway was once more accessible. She let out a small sigh of relief as she hurried down the passage. She paused to retrieve her scuba gear as both she and Cthulhu readied to enter the ocean. When we get close to the surface, Lilith told him, wait for my signal, okay? I brought a snack, but I'd like to have a little fun first. Cthulhu shrugged and motioned for her to exit through the hatch and into the ocean water as it filled the hallway. She swam to the surface as fast as she could, hoping she would have enough time to enjoy herself before Cthulhu became impatient. As she broke the surface of the water, the ship's crew gave a cry of relief. They scrambled to help her back into the boat and she smiled gratefully at them. She climbed to her feet on the deck and dropped the fins, tanks, and mask. With slow and deliberate movements, she unzipped her wetsuit and peeled it from her body. The crew stopped in the middle of their tasks and stared at her. Gentlemen, Lilith said in a sultry tone, you want me. The gathered faces nodded at the command, drawing closer. Lilith stepped from the discarded wetsuit and held her arms out to the captain. You first, she said. He nodded as he came to her. He was unable to resist her cold blue gaze and was glad she had taken the choice from him. The crew watched as she took her pleasure and fed upon their captain. No one protested when she threw the captain's body into the ocean, his blood coating her smile and the surface of the waves. She called across the water in a dead language none of them understood. They were numb to their own terror when the creature joined them on the deck of the ship. When the blood was finished flowing from the last member of the crew, 
Lilith smiled at Cthulhu. Whatever her misgivings had been about reconnecting with the old one, her brother, she was glad she had. Fond memories played in her mind of past conquests and nights of bloodlust in a time when humans still feared the darkness because there were still things to fear hiding there. Cthulhu watched her for a long moment, his white limbs stretched languidly over the skulls and bones of the picked clean carcasses of the ship's crew. There was not an ounce of flesh left on his piled throne, though the old god was still clothed in red spatterings from the blood of the men who had tried to resist their fate at the last minute. He ran a tentacle over his teeth and wondered at what point throughout the centuries of his absence that human flesh had lost its gaminess. You did not coax me from my home for this, Lilla. You have not brought me forth even for Enoch. Why am I here? He asked quietly. His words mingled with the sounds of a rising storm blowing toward the boat as he watched Lilith wipe excess blood from her face and body. She adjusted her balance for the slant of the boat as Cthulhu's weight pushed the aft portion lower into the water. She turned her cold gaze to him, and he watched her hair undulate in the wind like a frozen wasteland. You know me too well, she said with a smile. And you're right. I have a proposition that could be beneficial to both of us. So beneficial, you'll even forget about Enoch. I am listening. I had hoped to return us to our former glory in the pecking order. However, it would seem my campaign is running out of steam. I'd like you to help me. Cthulhu looked doubtfully as he inspected a skull for any meat he might have missed. He poked a tentacle through the eye socket and broke the skull apart as he swished around the brain cavity. But there was nothing left. How do I benefit from such a plan? There are many cities now, all of them with underground tunnels and sewer lines. You can feast upon flesh once more, and no one would have to know you were down there if you didn't want them to. The old one contemplated the gathering storm clouds as they settled above the boat. He decided he would go along with Lilith's plan, not for the potential new hunting grounds, but for the chance at revenge against the one man who could have saved them and failed to do so. He would leave the new hunting grounds to the others of his ilk. I have but one request for myself, he said after a long pause. What's that? I want Enoch for myself. Lilith shifted uncomfortably and wished she had never mentioned the name. In all of history, Enoch was the one human she respected and even liked. He had done what he could to help them, and had even tried to help their fathers during the original fall. Those who were killed in the flood did not see it that way, however, and viewed Enoch as the one who had sentenced them all to death. She was not about to let this one stipulation ruin her plan to return the vampires of the world back to their rightful place, however, and she would at last reveal to all of humanity what vampires truly were. Nephilim, creatures of divine origin. Just Enoch, she asked. Cthulhu nodded. You know he tried to help us. The old god growled, eyes narrowing. Fine, Enoch. That can be arranged. 
hoisted the anchor and set the boat adrift as she climbed onto Cthulhu's powerful shoulders. The swim in the ocean had washed a good amount of his former stench away, and Lilith smiled. Tentacles entwined around her naked flesh and held her close, reminding her of times long past as she settled into the familiar embrace. She would worry about a way to deal with the Enoch situation later, once they had reached their destination. Where are we going? Cthulhu asked. Lilith pointed southwest toward the shoreline. That way, to a place called New York. Uh, friends, that was awesomely creepy. I mean, I warned you that you would be left wanting more, but damn, so have I. How the hell are Lilith? Enoch and Cthulhu even connected. What's going on here? Well, if you want answers too, I suggest you do what I have already done, which is go to your favorite bookseller and buy Enoch's Devil, and also pick up the Immortal War series, which consists of Nemesis, Lamaya, The Tower, Scylla, and A God and the House of Crosses. You can even ask for them at your local library. Now Suzanne assures me that we will get to see more of these characters there, and they would not steer us wrong, so I'm pretty hopeful, and you know, little secret, I'm partway in, and oh my goodness, it's so exciting. Now tune in on Friday, February 10th, when I will present an original tale by Lynn Toll, a short, eerie vignette about what can happen when your wish to be alone is granted a little too well. Oh yeah. And for those of you who are still listening, here's an original limerick from Heather Handy. Outer and space quickly come, ancient and madness for some. Racist, he laughed, was H.P. Lovecraft. The guy was just really a bum. And that he was, folks. Made a creepy-ass world for us to play in, though. If you want more limericks and haiku on all sorts of subjects from Heather Handy, check out Limericks and Laundry Volume 1 wherever you get your books. Until next time... I'd better get cracking on the next episode. <laughs>